0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Voice for American Law Enforcement. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, a retired police lieutenant from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department with 34 years of total service, the author of A Cop's Life and the soon to be released Rescuing 911 The Fight for America's Safety, and the founder of The Wounded Blue, the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers. On this show, we talk about all things law enforcement from my perspective. And I love to bring you fascinating guests, and I'm not going to disappoint you again today. I'm going to bring in Dr. John Petrick who is running for the State Assembly in Nevada, uh, District 21. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a little bit of his bio, just a little bit, because we don't have that much time. <laughs> Dr. John Petrick is the CEO and Clinical Director of the Las Vegas Pain Relief Centers, Integrated Pain Relief, and EverReady Health. Aside from providing pain relief and exceptional care, Dr. Petrick also selflessly serves the community in which he lives. For example, he served on many boards. Uh, formerly, the Opportunity Village, an organization that provides work opportunities for individuals with mental disabilities, he created. Keep it simple, make it fun. I like that. Mm-hmm. A recreation and leisure program for individuals with cognitive and physical disabilities. And now he is running for the state assembly of Nevada. And uh, I had the uh, I had the great pleasure of uh of having a long conversation with uh (laughs) with dr petrick regarding um why he made the decision to go for the assembly and uh and i just I, i was so impressed with with our conversation that i wanted to introduce him to you okay dr petrick thank you for joining me here on the show thank you randy it's a pleasure to be here i'm excited you know i love law enforcement so anything Uh, i I do do, i do know you love law enforcement that's one of the reasons why i asked you to be here because you know we have seen this diminishment in in the respect for law enforcement over the last probably well since the obama years and then it it, uh uh it, it got even Worse after the George Floyd fiasco, and uh, and has been and has been very very damaging to law enforcement, both in terms of the morale, the recruitment, the retaining, and now we have a crisis in law enforcement around the nation. So now you've decided to jump into this fray, and I want I want everybody to know this that that um, there is a a major event going to be held by Dr. Patrick here in Las Vegas uh, that we're gonna talk about shortly. But um, uh, he is a, you're, you're a strong supporter of law enforcement. Did that play a role in your decision to, uh, to throw your hat in for the state assembly? Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, you know, you mentioned that there's been a, a trend uh, in how we treat our police. Uh, I believe it's a, a, a negative trend towards all authority and you're seeing it now play out into our again what's happening with law enforcement and all first responders whether you know people just don't have the respect that they once did uh, you see that from the traffic stops you see that in the confrontations uh, that the police have with the public there really is a lack of respect for the police in the uniform so that to me was an inherently flawed uh, that's not that's not right. I wasn't raised that way. My stepfather was a colonel in the Marine Corps. Uh, we were raised to you know always respect authority. Make sure you you know you speak clear, you speak tone. Yes sir, no sir. Yes ma'am, no ma'am. That's how my my family was raised. So for me, uh, during the when you mentioned the the you know the COVID variables that were happening throughout our city, uh, as I was saying to you prior to the show. I serve over 300 and some police officers from various different units around the city. And the narrative that was being told, Randy, was very different than the narrative in the people that I was seeing in my office. And I just, my brother and I could no longer handle it. We were just sitting there talking. and You know those conversations everybody has around the dinner table that (laughs) kind of just talk, 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 talk. And my brother and I were sitting there one day and my brother said, that's it, I've had enough. We got to do something. And that's when we said, hey, let's throw a party. Let's get involved in the uh, Thin Blue Line event, which we'll talk about. But the reason I'm running for office was, you know, there's a few things. One of them was, again, how the police were being treated as well as how our Constitution was being treated. And the fact is that many people don't have any comprehension of what really what their rights are, Uh, including me when I first started during COVID. When OSHA came in and said, hey, they came in my office without warrants. They came in to interview without subpoenas. And it was at that moment I realized, I don't know my rights. So I took it upon myself during COVID and spent the last two years of really immersing myself into American literature, primarily the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, Federalist Papers. And I really started studying John Jay, our first uh, Supreme Court justice. And I started realizing that in order for us to be able to have a generation of success, uh, he said that you got to read it, you got to study it, you got to teach it, you got to know it, you got to defend it in order for you to assert it. And that was the constitution. And that is the opposite of what we're seeing now played out. And I feel that that's a huge problem in our country and I don't see it getting any better unless we
0: really address it head on. You know, you you have immersed yourself in it's the, the most critical documents that you know that I mean they literally gave birth to our nation, mm-hmm. and and what we're seeing today now is um, is is this lack of I mean I, I I look at the voters and and I and I look at them and I wonder how dumbed down can we be You know they the voters are putting people into office who literally are are tearing the fabric of the justice system apart. So, how do you combat as as someone who is running for office? I mean, you got you got bigger guts than I do. Guts. I heard you <laughs> say, And you know that you that you would put yourself out there. How what well first of all, I I wonder how many people even know what the state assembly does. Can you explain that? Well, when and why, I, and why you chose that particular uh, office to run for well, that's a great question too because uh, One of the things I was always raised with
1: there is two people on this planet the humbled and the soon-to-be So every decision that we try to make in business or around my home. We try to make it from a place of humility I um, mean be humble and I always want to be effective and when I say effective I would like to make sure that when I'm doing something I can get the biggest and largest impact And for me, I needed to look no further than Nevada State Assembly. And here's why. It is the most powerful position in the state. And people don't know that. And they misinterpret it because, again, they do not understand when and how the Constitution was written. Our Constitution, federal and state, was written that the legislation is the most powerful body of government of the three branches with the judicial being the weakest, and this was by design. So when I was looking at positions to run, one, I checked my ego, and two, I thought, how do I have the biggest and largest impact in and around my community? And that would be the state assembly. Now, I had offers and people suggesting that I run for a federal office, but I got to be honest, I don't want any part of that circus in Washington, D.C. If I'm going to have an impact on my family and my community, it happens right here in Nevada. This is where I belong, and this is where I call home, and this is where I wanted to do. Now, the state assembly is basically the, if you will, it's the people's house. It's, it writes your laws on taxes. It sets up your programs for schools, health care, um, basically roads and transportation. Everything that's affecting us on a daily basis is typically handled through our assembly. So for me, it was a, really a no-brainer. If I was going to have an impact, it was going to come local and it was going to come from the state assembly. And your
0: district is in the city of Henderson. That is correct.
1: If uh, for those of you don't under or know where uh, Assembly District 21 is located, it would be uh, if you could look at the boundaries of being Warm Springs, Horizon Ridge, Verde to Maryland Parkway, and anywhere in there, you're most likely in my district. So we got about 45,000 people who live in that district, um, and it's broken down into the various you know you know quadrants and areas. But it's a wonderful district. We got wonderful people living there, uh, lots of new businesses that I hope to bring uh, to the area and really really establish district 21 as one of the leading districts in our state and my race my political race is actually considered Randy which is known as a tier 1 race and what that means is I'm pretty much considered the tip of the spear if we can flip my seat, which is actually currently held by a Democrat right now, if we could flip that seat, we should see possibly the Nevada Assembly go ahead and flip with it. So well, it's very, very important. So a lot of eyes are on my seat nationally and federally. I'm uh, assuming nationally and statewide. So we're, we're excited about the race. Uh, I have an incredible campaign team. Uh, give a huge shout out to all of my team members. I mean, they uh, – I actually my, – my, my manager, we – On our business card, I said, you know, you should actually put down (laughs) candidate babysitter because that's really what they do because we're always moving. And the most important thing is that we keep that energy going and we keep it flowing. So it's
0: good. Let's talk about the event that you're going to be holding uh, for. uh, It's a law enforcement appreciation. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me how that came to be. This is not your first year doing this from what I understand. You've done this before. Well, it started out, as the name
1: implies, the thin blue line, and we realized that we need those police out there standing on that line for us. You know, We as Americans, we should have the right to walk down our streets without the fear of violence. We should have the right to sleep at night in our beds without the fear of an intruder or a rapist. And we should be able to leave our children out there in our front yards uh, without having to have 100% supervision. Unfortunately, we can't we can't do any of those things because our leaders in Washington and our judicial system has forgotten how to protect the people. And we saw that during the, like as you mentioned, the George Floyd fiasco and the nasty narrative that has been pushed out against law enforcement, it just was unacceptable. So we thought, my brother and I, Jeff Patrick, uh, we said, hey, let's do something for the police officers because they're the ones, you know, being fed this line of crap, and let's jump in here and let's do something. So three years ago, we started a little event, which at that time it was little. It was about 500 police officers from various different parts of the county. Uh, they came out, and it was for us really to say thank you and it was a wonderful event we had some singers and we actually we cooked food that year which uh, at that size it was okay (laughs) and then we realized that the following year our event was going to fall directly on september 11th so we said why don't we do this why don't we open it up to every single first responder and let's pay a tribute to those 2977 people who lost their lives during those terrorist attacks on september 11th 2001. So we opened it up to the police, paramedics, frontline nurses, frontline doctors, border patrol, SWAT, uh, marshals, you name it. We wanted this event to be about anybody who serves the community, and we wanted to say thank you. So last year we did an event, we had Forrest Griffin who came out and did some acknowledgement, we had uh, some wonderful speakers, we had bands, 10 food trucks, we had bounce houses and pony rides, and we ended up with 2,300 people, so more, supporting the local first responders and primarily the, the, the blue. That's a hell
0: of a party. It was a
1: party. (laughs) This year, Randy, this year we're poised to actually, it should be even bigger. Uh, We got even more support. A lot of people are excited. My phone is blowing up all the time. How do I get involved? How do I say thank you to the Thin Blue Line? Uh, We got major sponsors. We have uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb from Arizona. And if you haven't heard uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb, you're gonna love to hear him speak, a true patriot. Uh, And he's gonna be sharing what he dealt with as a sheriff and some of his messages to the public too. Um, We asked you to come and join our our event and we have a wonderful, we got Wonder Boogie, which if you uh, wanna come and get your phone call on. That's a lot of fun. We'll get down <laughs> there and, and they'll be there. They'll be singing. But we got the you know the National Anthem being sung. We got the Pledge of the Allegiance. We got a wonderful prayer. And basically, this is a community event. Uh, this is going to be held at McKee Ranch, which is near the Bass Pro Shops on Raven and Dean Martin. Um, and we're expecting over 3,000 people to attend this event. And this is what we call a legacy event. My brother and I were looking at this and we thought, we want to build this up to the point where this is the largest event in Nevada at that time and then we want to build it up and then turn it over to the community so kind of like the San Janeiro and a lot of those festivals right we we must get back to our roots and we must get back to what I would consider class And I think that's important that we get back to, you know, being what really brought us and that is being thankful for our law enforcement, being thankful for our authority, being thankful and grateful for the fact is that you guys, you know, they wear a target every single day on their back and firefighters run into burning buildings and paramedics show up, uh, you know, when there's cars on the side of the road that could explode at any time, Uh, Border Patrol protecting us. And we've all seen this nightmare that has happened under this current administration. And I don't see a, a, a bright future for us if we don't make immediate change. So it is the Thin Blue Line event. It's September 10th. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Eventbrite. It goes from about 6 to 11. The music starts right around 5 o'clock. So get there early. And again, it's going to be a wonderful event. And I'm so, so grateful for all the big turnout that we've had. I mean, people love this. You know, COVID kept us. You know on our porch it kept us in our homes <laughs> right uh, and, and i'm not too together sure that that wasn't by design but it kept us from community and we're herd animals scientifically we're herd animals by instinct and as soon as we can get back to being herd animals again and working out and being together as a community you'll start to see this pressure that's on us kind of start to lift so Again, it's a thin blue line. It's going to be a wonderful event, and uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for this opportunity.
0: Fantastic. I'm looking forward to being there, participating in it, and um, you're also going to be... Uh supporting my organization the Mm. wounded blue through this event that is correct a portion of the proceeds go out to a few different charities that
1: support first responders uh your charity being one of them and it and it's important too because when we sat down and met i realized uh you and i both said man the synergy is just amazing because you do work with disabled officers and i have a nonprofit for people with disabilities cognitive and physical and physical And we take them camping, canoeing, hiking, and I thought that this would be a great blend. Uh, When you start to look at the services that are provided to those people with disabilities, there aren't a lot out there. And that was one of the reasons why I created Kismith, which is Keep It Simple, Make It Fun. And it is a co-sponsor of this event. And it is the one that'll be actually helping out other charities, local, um, to help them be able to promote their programs and to really help out those people in need. This is it's fantastic what's the what's the cost for getting in? It's 10 bucks at the door you can prepay um, and then actually we're taking donations of 1776 which is kind of a <laughs> little number you know we want to kind of throw that out there but what happens Randy is when people come and we made the price so low that typically people just want to they want to donate. And we'll take any donation. We need it. The police need it. Kismith needs it. And as, and one of the great things about my, our, you know, our nonprofit is that it's called philanthropic excellence. And what that means is how much of the money goes back to the programs in which you endorse and support. And we have over 90% um, philanthropic purpose, meaning almost 90% of our dollars go back to the programs that right. we have. Uh, that comes from being uh, respectful and frugal, in where we spend our money, and uh, how many people we have on our board. You know. How we do everything. And again, we're always looking to expand our program, but it's important that that money go back
0: to the people who need it most. Exactly. You know, um, running a nonprofit, which was not something that I had intended in my retirement years, has proven to me to be very, very, very challenging and a lot of minefields out there. And then, of course, you also have to, you know, the, the charity dollars that are out there, you have to be very careful about who you give to, Mm -hmm. because the unfortunate reality is that there are a lot of scammers out there Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, take 70% of their monies that they collect and, and pay themselves these huge salaries and, you know, throw lavish parties and things like that. So, um, it's nice to know that, I mean, the, the wounded blue, you know, is, has the same philosophical belief. I take no salary out of this, out of this organization and uh you know it goes directly to the people that who need the service so um i'm really looking forward to the event so uh where can people that are uh, that are in nevada that want to attend where's the best place to
1: you could find me on social media, uh, Dr. John Petrick, P-E-T-R-I-C-K. You can find us there. If you go to Eventbrite and type in the thin blue line, we pop up. We're number one. You can get your tickets there. You can uh, even make donations and contributions. If you're looking for the charity Kismith, it's dot org. That's Kismith, dot org. It's a wonderful charity. We do golf events uh, and all kinds of things. Now, you, you mentioned something I just want to touch on that I think is extremely important. The internet has be, was once a blessing and now it's become somewhat of a curse. Uh, people don't realize that when they're going to these websites, who actually owns the website? Uh, when I decided to work with uh, Colonel Waldron, who actually provided all the data uh, to Donald Trump's team and all of them about the voter and the machines and all of that stuff, he came to do a lecture one time and I, I spent a, a great deal of time with him and he actually Pulled up a a slide that he actually put his finger down on the arrow button and it showed all the individual websites that were actually fake. I mean, I'm talking millions. He couldn't, he could have been there for probably days holding his finger on that arrow button down, showing all the millions of websites that are actually linked. And they're putting, I mean, there's over 400,000 websites that are linked to the BLM. There's over 200,000 that are linked to, and it's, it's things like Save the Children Now, which sounds like a great thing, and I'm not even suggesting that one particular, but a lot of things seem very docile or benign, but uh-huh. they're actually very nefarious, and they're actually bad websites. The money never gets to the people, so my encouragement is please know who, and we have a, on our campaign, we always have a go-local type platform that's you know local banks they don't deal with the esgs local uh, farmers and ranchers local stores local mom and pops you know and local politicians you know get to know the people that affect you in your community and we always talk about local charities if you want to do, uh, donate and see an impact in your community then donate to your local charities that way you can see your money work for you and you know it's not going off to some far off land or some scammer so know the charities that you're giving to you know the the wounded blue is a fantastic charity so if you're out there donate and and you know you know this as well as I do it doesn't have to be a lot of money from one person it's it's the five dollars right. a month. It's the ten dollars a month, and you do that over a year. It's a hundred twenty bucks. So almost anybody can afford to donate when they're provided the opportunity and the means to do so. That doesn't break the bank. And you know the the hardest part right now, Randy, is people are hurting. I'm hearing it at the doors while I'm knocking. We knocked over six thousand doors in my primary. And when you're knocking on the door and someone opens it and you see their face uh yes they're grateful to see a candidate actually at their door but as they start to tell you what's going on in their lives they're hurting they're afraid this economy i mean the price of gas um groceries i mean ground meat's going to be over ten dollars a pound by the end of the year it's so insane. it's insane so these people are now having to make it and in healthcare, as a physician one of the toughest one of the things that frustrates me the most and makes me the saddest is when I find out that my patients, uh, and we try to do everything we can, but when I find out patients are going from doctor to doctor and they're worried about putting food on their table versus getting a much needed medical treatment, I mean, that's the society we live in now. Wow. So it is absolutely terrible what's happening. We need change and we always say for a better way, vote for Dr. John Patrick in the Assembly District 21, because we have some fantastic ideas about how to make things better uh, and really turn the tide, if you will, on on this inflation.
2: As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. All right, you've all heard
1: Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulverone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix Rx. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Copix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple by attacking viruses where they incubate, you
2: make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Copix Rx banner ad on AmericaOutLoud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So, why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill free, patent pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great. Convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off.
1: Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything.
0: The Wounded Blue is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers A Nationwide 501c3 that's helped more than 13,000 American law enforcement officers in the last two and a half years. We have a team of dedicated men and women who have served behind the badge. Every single one of them has been shot or stabbed or beaten, run over or severely injured uh, physically or psychologically. And yet they continue to serve. They do amazing work. They literally are saving lives. But these heroes, they need your help. And as Dr. John just said, $10 a month to go into this organization would, would help immensely. Um, I would be very, very happy to explain what we do in person to you. Uh, you could just contact me, Randy at the woundedblue.org. If you're a business and you want to sponsor the organization or um, what we have, we have a major event coming up and I urge everybody who is in law enforcement or has been to listen to what I'm about to say. Last year, we had the first ever National Law Enforcement Survival Summit here in Las Vegas. It was incredibly successful. Uh, the best speakers in the country on every aspect about surviving a law enforcement career, physically, tactically, emotionally, psychologically, relationships, you name it. And in fact, Mark Lamb, who who we just spoke about, is one of the uh, presenters at the, the next one, which is going to be October 11th through the 14th. October 11 through the 14th in Terre Haute, Indiana, going to be in the Midwest this year, I urge every single person who is serving behind a badge to go to the woundedblue.org website and, and mark it in your calendar. It's only $295 to attend this thing. If you can't afford it, there's sponsorship money available for you. So go to the woundedblue.org. If you have one training Uh, to go to this year, this is the one. It's going to be in Terre Haute, four days. Amazing trainers, amazing presenters. Uh, I will be there with my team and uh, presenting as well. And uh, plus, we're going to have a little bit of fun too because I don't throw conference unless there's some fun involved. We have uh, – let me just say we're going to have some fun. So um, if you know a cop and you love a police officer – this is, this is the conference to tell them about. Um, and the seats are filling up fast. So please go to the woundedblue.org, go to the event button and see what we're doing. And, and if you can donate, please do. If you are a business and you want to sponsor this so that people know that you support law enforcement, contact me directly, Randy, at the woundedblue.org. Let's get back to um, things that are happening in policing right now. Um, you know, you're as a as a, a a person who is entering the political arena. You're going to have the opportunity to play a role in in how effective law enforcement can be. Now, there's, you know, you cannot in in law enforcement. There's so many so many challenges, and one of the things that that um, uh, is absolutely essential is training. And what has happened uh, um, nationally, as well as locally, is that the training dollars from the federal government have been diminishing, or they've been put into, into um, training in more woke subjects. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you and I were talking just before the show um, that, that more than 200 police officers have been shot this year. 45 have been, been murdered in the line of duty. Uh, the, 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 the training dollars, the training efforts, in my estimation, need to be focused on the most important aspects of law enforcement. And that is living through the career. That means surviving it. And yet there's been this drive away from, quote, um, uh, warrior policing. Now, I, I got to tell you, I am I am a true believer in the warrior mindset. That doesn't mean you're at war. Mm-hmm. It means that you need to be able, if you're a law enforcement officer, you need to be able to go from being officer friendly, mm-hmm. hi, Mr. Smith, mm-hmm. to be able to draw your weapon and kill the individual who you are talking to because that individual may want to take your life. We see it every mm-hmm. single day. I I am exposed to to incredible body cam video and dash cam video of officers who get involved in life threatening encounters some of those are fatal encounters to the officer some are fatal to the the assailant but one thing is 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 very very apparent that the need for training in order to survive that career is absolutely essential and we've been seeing a diminishment of resources mm-hmm. devoted to that and instead, forcing those those precious training hours into um, uh, pronoun <laughs> training, you know what yeah. I mean? You know, as, as 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 someone who is, you know, going to, you know, be part of the government, how can you address that? You know, of course, that's a great question, and I I could not
1: agree with you more. I have been saying this all along. That see, what I think is that would help. The police is their training on the Constitution. Again, I'm going back to that because that's what they take an oath to is the Constitution. Unfortunately, the judicial system and the training has gotten to case law, which is different than the Constitution. So I think a lot of those interactions between the public and police could be remedied or de-escalated if a better understanding by police of the Constitution. Now, before I I go there, I also want to say that I find that right now – and I hold – Specifically, this administration and the Obama administration, as we have spoken about, responsible for this downplay of authority. When you have criminals that are be- they're emboldened right now. Uh, I just posted a video on our Facebook of a, a girl out in her front yard and a Convict or a criminal comes right up and wants to take it right out of the front yard. They're emboldened now So therefore there's no respect from the highest level of authority So how do we believe that's going to affect the people on the streets? So first and foremost the education on what they should know in regards to the Constitution needs to be addressed The second piece is I hold the judicial system responsible for part of this narrative as well. When you have police that are busting their butts out there, locking criminals up for the judicial system to put murderers on the street with tags around their ankles and bracelets around. This is is crazy to me. So I'm sitting here thinking, wait, and we're not talking about single murders as if that's not bad enough or single rapists as if that's not bad enough. We're talking about serial perpetrators and serial convicts that are put out. Now, for me, I had always thought that is, let's make the sentencing different. Let's hold those judges accountable. Again, back to what can the legislation do? The legislation needs to hold these judicial, these judges accountable for their decisions that they're making in court. If you're gonna let a murderer out with a a bracelet around his ankle and he commits a felony or a crime, that judge should be ultimately responsible because they're feckless, they're not doing what they need to do. The police are doing their jobs of putting these bad people behind bars, but what good is being behind bars if it's a hotel stay? If it's just pleasurable, I mean, Sheriff Joe Apio in Arizona used to make their prisoners in pink. He'd put them in pink, he'd make them watch the Disney Channel. He had them in tents that was hot, and it's in Phoenix, it's warm, and they would complain. But I loved his response when he said, If you don't like how we run our hotel, don't come back and that's what we want (laughs) so we need to have stiffer penalties more harsh penalties Um, there's got to be things that mean we got to hold everybody accountable and these judges who are letting these these career uh criminals out they're equally responsible for the crimes they commit afterwards so we have to do that but back to the training it is so important not only the police but the public and it's not just on the interaction How does a police officer deal with every day he kisses his wife or his daughter, or she kisses her husband and her child, and she goes off with a bullet on her back? And every time she pulls up to a stop, you know as well as I do, the person in the car has a question mark over the head. Are they a criminal? Are they a good person that just got pulled over for speeding? But every time that officer walks up towards that vehicle, it could be the last time that they ever do it. Exactly, And I find that absolutely uh, troubling. Um, you see, you mentioned 200 officers are shot every, um, already this year, 45 have been killed on the line of duty. And this almost seems like a badge of honor for these criminals now is that now there's this kind of like there's it's open season on police. I hate it. It's disgusting to me. It's not where our society was intended. It's not for the best for our society. But in regards to the training, I think it's all the way down the board from our judicial system to the officers on the street to the public. And it starts with home with my parents. When my parents say, no, you will honor police. You will so show support. Right. You will be respectful. It will be no sir and no ma'am. It will be yes. Ma'am, no, sir. That is how we got to get back to the re- respect and pride in our authority, primarily the police and our first
0: responders. You know, um, just a- about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, there was a video that was widely played throughout the the, uh, the the media, and it was one of the most disturbing videos that I think I've I've seen. It had it was a a toddler, a toddler, who. Um, was was in the presence of a police officer and just came up to that officer now the parents are there and that and this we're talking like a three-year-old vile language directed at the officer and the the kid actually tried to attack the cop where did where did a three-year-old learn this behavior well you know look kids
1: are a great they're a great whiteboard Right? They Whatever you put on that whiteboard, they're going to see. So children are like a whiteboard. We're not born with hate, Randy. We're not born with bigotry. We're not born with prejudice. It's a learned behavior. I always say that if you want to fix our country, it starts at home. We cannot train our kids or teach our kids to not respect and honor law enforcement. If we do, we're putting a bullet on their back. Because you never know the situations and how fast things can escalate. Which right. starts off especially now with with social media and, and everybody's you got these keyboard warriors. Everybody's brave behind that keyboard. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? Like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan to punch it in the mouth. And I think a lot of times what's happening now is people are emboldened by their, their social media platforms and stuff. And unfortunately, that doesn't bode well for law enforcement. And I, I actually saw that video and I too was like, Are you are you serious? This is this is one. People are condoning the behavior. So that's the problem right there. Right. Second, we're talking about a sponge, a youth, a child, someone that is being taught this. What do you think is going to happen when they steal from a, a gas station, or they steal a car, or they, worse, they rape somebody? I mean, all of a sudden you're now seeing a judicial system tilted towards protection of the criminals instead of the victims. What is going on?
0: Right, I mean, I, I immediately after seeing that said to myself, that's a future inmate right there. Absolutely. That's a future inmate. Absolutely. But while we're talking about this, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um, one of the, the uh, you know, you talk about emboldened, emboldened criminals. Uh, let's talk about one of the stories that, that mm-hmm. this, this came out of, the, uh, out of the police tribune. Drug dealers threatened film crew, shut down Lady in the Lake production in Baltimore. Television film crew had to shut down production in downtown Baltimore on Friday after they were threatened by drug dealers who tried to extort $50,000. Baltimore police said the incident occurred on August 26th, uh, a couple of blocks from the Lexington Market. Baltimore police spokesman said uh, the production had to be shut down after drug dealers approached the production crew who were setting up to film and told them to stop. Uh, Moses said the drug dealers attempted to extort $50,000 from the producers to allow them to continue filming. Um, uh, the the uh, drug dealers told the producers they would return and shoot people later that evening if they didn't get the money, and uh, they shut down their production. When you talk about an emboldened criminal element, could could it get any more? um uh, uh clear that they're running this str- they're running the streets there and Baltimore of course is is one of those police agencies who has been defunded um had uh, the uh, the activist district attorney who is by the way I think going to prison for federal tax fraud uh, Marilyn Mosby who came out, you know and and yeah. uh, literally attack the police yeah. um and then the corruption uh of the uh, of the city management um which is absolutely rampant all boils down to the destruction of the criminal justice system in that city correct absolutely if you know you go back to that little three-year-old child
1: and you mentioned them berating the police I want to remind everybody how pan, uh, truly how uh, what a huge situation this is in Baltimore less than 15% of the students and I think it's lower than that actually 15% of the students that are supposed to graduate 15% of them can actually read at an 8th grade level now I want you to think about that from the high standpoint school students. of high school students, and you can look this up. This is all factual information. So when you start a child at three to four years old, and you start labeling people, and you start to have them have prejudice against the police, and then you don't allow them to have an education, they they're they're automatically set up for failure. So if you look what happened, and in, and in, in, imagine those drug dealers, they obviously don't care about their community. Do you know how much money the film industry brings to a community? and how that impacts a community, and yet they're forcing them out to go somewhere else, pulling more money out of that community. Every member of Baltimore should be up in arms over that situation right there. That is the epitome of what is happening in our country, and not just Baltimore, every single one of our streets. Where is the backbone? Where is the spine on that government? And there isn't one. And you know what? That's a blue run city, a blue run state. And you're going to see ultimately things really start to trickle down, and it's only going to get
0: worse. You know, I've, I've got some connections with the Baltimore Police Department. And um, one of the officers was telling me that, that he was at a community meeting. And, and the, the people who lived, you know, the, the vast majority of the people that live there are law-abiding citizens. Um, despite whatever the, the, the uh, racial makeup is of these mm-hmm. communities, right? They were begging the police to arrest the drug dealers who are openly selling dope in front of their homes. Yep. They were begging the, begging the police to do it. And the city council and, and the police leadership are the ones that are holding those officers back from doing their jobs because there is no... There, there is no appetite at their level to actually fight crime. They've given up. They've surrendered to the, to the criminal um, element in this, in this city, and that's not the only city. Oh no,
1: no, it, 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 it is. It's rampant across our country now, and. We can't beat them up for that because at some particular point, all that effort that they would put forth to have these people back on the street in 24 hours—you know, this no-bail release and all of these things that happen—Randy, again, you you have to question. And again, I, I appreciate all those in law enforcement, but you'd have to question now why someone would want. To enter law enforcement, you know, we even got a depletion here in Las Vegas. I see it all the time. Metro trying to hire and hire and hire. We have, we do not have enough law enforcement on our streets to protect us. Let that sink in. You even mentioned in cities where they're actually teaching high school students to not call the police.
0: Oh, wait a minute. Here's (laughs) you got it. since we're on the subject, (laughs) this is a this this makes my blood boil. Don't call police, video shown to South High School students. This comes out of CBS in Colorado. Denver Public Schools is in hot water with law enforcement after a video shown during an assembly at South High School advised students to avoid the police when dealing with racially motivated attacks. The video entitled, Don't be a bystander, six tips for responding to racist attacks was published five years ago by the Barnard Center for Research on Women. Here's a quote: "I thought at some points it was pretty informative, but other points, I thought it was like uh, awkward to talk about. Like it felt a little uncomfortable." Said a junior at the high school. Some of the tips advise students to check in on the victim of the attack, to avoid engaging the perpetrator, and to try and de-escalate at all costs. Okay, the video's tip number four number four says to avoid the police because police can escalate and quote often treat victims as perpetrators of crimes unquote Uh, the police chief of uh, denver said unfortunately what i saw enhances the divide that we're all trying to bridge i don't know what type of impact it's going to have and you can't unrung unring the bell people can't unsee what was shown and uh uh, now that and the, now the, the school is 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 backtracking, and they said, "Oh well, you know, we didn't we didn't really vet the film before we showed it," which of course is nonsense, but it shows that the the students uh, uh, in in schools around the country are being programmed against law enforcement. This is this is frightening stuff. Yeah. Which is even more frightening, Randy, is
1: how many more school shootings? They're wanting to disarm us as a populace. Law-abiding citizens are wanting to disarm us. But yet they're upset at what's happening in the schools. But now putting in a police presence is a bad thing? I don't get it, it doesn't make sense. It's back to that we're living in bizarre world again. Everybody wants to cry and scream over schools. Graydon, I'm one of them. I hate hearing about a mass shooting at a school. But if we don't have police presence there, and we don't have an, you know armed staff or armed teachers or a single point of entry for the public or metal detectors, how do you protect the students? So now you have these people that are in power pushing a nasty narrative against police But yet the first sign, and we're talking Colorado. You know, that was the first school shooting called Columbine, in case you forget. Right. They should be ashamed of themselves. As a matter of fact, they should be kicked off their board. Those school people, those school superintendents, every one of them should be held accountable. You talk
0: about accountability.
1: There you go. Where is the accountability here? There is none. It's easy to pass it off uh, and blame the police when things go wrong, but then you have morons that are pushing this particular type of agenda. So you don't like the police. We don't want them around us. They will escalate. I will promise you this. Uh, there are some few things the, why don't criminals attack police stations or gun clubs what? because they know there are guns. Hmm. When you publicly say no guns on premises, that's the first place a criminal is going to go because they know that they are the highest in power. So right. when I'm starting to look at this, I'm starting to think, wait a second, this isn't making sense. And I, I'm not concerned where people feel on that army teachers and that. Uh, I happen to have my own personal belief on that. I think that if, if you knew that there was guns on the premises, you'd probably be less likely to go there with the gun yourself. Uh, but that's, that's my opinion. And, you start, and I hold this administration responsible for what's happening here. I truly do hold this, this administration, this Biden administration, and their weak uh, criminal justice system that they put in place. This is only going to cost us lives, not just the lives of our public, but the lives of police officers absolutely. needlessly. It's absolutely. terrible, Randy. It's absolutely
0: terrible. So let me take a quick uh, moment to talk about um, one of my uh, sponsors of this program and uh Uh, It's officerprivacy.com. If you are a law enforcement officer or have been, you want to take a look at officerprivacy.com. It was begun by a uh, police officer who discovered how much information is actually on the internet about you and how easy it is to find out where you live, uh, what you drive. Uh, your, your family's, uh, uh, locations, all of this is what we call an officer safety issue. So, um, officerprivacy.com for it's, it's not expensive, goes through and, and re- reduces your footprint, if you will, um, of information that is available about you. You go to officerprivacy.com. You've got to check it out. Um, they, they are. They're really committed to doing a phenomenal job. They've been growing uh, because the need for this, you know, the, the antifas of the world and, and those who uh, who are, you know, social media trolls um, and internet trolls, they, they're they getting smarter and smarter and learning how to use the information that's available publicly to dox officers, to uh, show up at their homes and, and protest in front of the home to uh, uh, commit malicious damage against the home. So um, I urge anybody who is in law enforcement or has been, go to officerprivacy.com, check it out, and to contact them. This is a service that is really, really worthwhile. That's officerprivacy.com. You know, when we talk about um, the, the safety of, of law enforcement officers, um, not only is it, is it physical safety, but there has been this trend, which began uh, under the Obama administration, but is certainly exacerbated now, of prosecutors choosing to prosecute police officers for uses of force. And we recently, uh, just last week, had the, a very significant case come to an end And it was highly publicized, happened more than two years ago. Um, Charges dropped against Atlanta officers in 2020 shooting of Rayshard Brooks. Prosecutors overseeing the case against two Atlanta Police Department officers in the shooting death of Rayshard Brooks said that the officers, quote, committed no crimes. This has been two years in the making. Two years of misery for these officers who were falsely charged. Um, The lead prosecutor appointed by Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr determined Garrett Rolfe was justified in shooting Brooks in 2020 and dismissed charges against him and Devin Brosnan. The shooting, which occurred in the immediate aftermath of the George Floyd incident, triggered protests, property destruction, and violence in the city during the summer of 2020. The investigation and analysis of several video sources determined Brooks took Brosnan's taser and fired it at him. And then during that pursuit where he pointed it at him again, the officer opened fire and killed him. Now, uh, this is, every police officer in America is trained in deadly force. Every police officer in America is told, if you are threatened with a taser, that is a deadly force situation. Why? Because if you're struck by that taser, you are absolutely helpless. And the number of officers who get killed by their own firearm, when they are disarmed for whatever reason, including physical altercations, and they lose control of that weapon, they often are killed by their own weapon. So, it is very, very clear in, in uh, every training that, that I've ever seen, that if you're facing someone who has got your taser or somebody else's taser, and they're pointing it at you. You, you use deadly force because that is a deadly force situation, and that's what happened here. You know, and still, and still, the prosecutor at the mm-hmm. time, who was running for election, mm-hmm. wanted to use that as a stepping, a, story, a stepping yeah. right to to get reelected. Yeah. Thank God he did not. But yet, at that moment, that district attorney should have said. That was a that was the wrong thing to do, and drop the charges. It's been two years of destroying these officers' lives.
1: You know, um, one of the things that happens, Randy, and it's important for people to realize is that when you count to ten, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, utilize that as, and that's what the police force try to typically tries to push. Where you know, you first you do this, then you do that, and it's actually it's it's an increase in response, right? right? So, if you're if I'm a police officer and I show up somewhere, and I'm talking to a a person, uh, and it becomes adversarial, I have to remember that if they jump to a higher number than I do, I'm dead. Exactly. So they're trained to make sure they go from 1 to 10, because they do not want that person to have that edge on them. So like you said, when they pull out that taser, and as soon as that person, as soon as Mr. Bashar he grabbed that taser. He had automatically kind of changed the dynamic of the situation and he put his life at risk and the life at risk of the officer. There was almost no other outcome from that. When Correct. that when they did that, that officer needed to go from zero to ten right now. Exactly. Had they not, they had a possibility of they themselves being killed.
0: Exactly. Now um We've actually run out of time. Okay. But uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to come out here and join me on this show. Um, during the last part of the show, if you watch or you listen to the show on, on uh, either America Out Loud or uh, iHeartRadio, you know that I, I end the show with what's called End of Watch, where I eulogize those officers who've given their lives in the line of duty this past week. Two officers lost their lives in the same incident sergeant harold lee russell tennessee highway patrol and detective matthew walker blanzett marion county sheriff's office in tennessee sergeant lee russell detective matt blasnet marion county sheriffs were killed in a helicopter crash on etna mountain at 4 p.m the bell 206 helicopter struck high tension power lines and crashed into a wooded area sergeant russell has served with tennessee highway patrol for 12 years and uh, detective blasnet has served for 20 years and the third officer to die this week constable deborah martinez Garabe, pima county constable's office arizona constable deborah martinez Garabe was shot and killed while serving an eviction notice in in tucson at 11:15 a.m uh constable martinez Garabe and the apartment manager were shot when they knocked on the door to serve eviction papers uh, she was shot inside the apartment and the apartment manager was found lying in the courtyard uh, she had served as a united states army veteran and served as the constable for precinct eight for only five months all of these uh officers gave their lives in the line of duty for their communities may they rest in peace i want to thank you for taking the time to join me here on uh, the voice for american law enforcement uh, you can reach me at randy at the wounded blue uh, follow me on uh On Instagram, LT Randy Sutton and The Voice for American Law Enforcement. And uh, Facebook, of course, under The Voice for American Law Enforcement. Remember, go to thewoundedblue.org. These men and women need you to support them. Thewoundedblue.org. See you again soon.